Hey y'all, I'm Jessie. It's time to dispense some randomness. y'all how we all doing today um i wanted to take a moment first and foremost at the beginning of this episode to pay tribute and remember those that died 20 years ago on 9-11 i watched uh the live coverage of the memorial in uh, New York and the one in Shanksville, Pennsylvania at the site of United 93 crash. I watched those this morning and I gotta say it brought a lot of stuff back up. I'm sure for a lot of people. Um, and it was really moving the words that were spoken by, uh, various former presidents, um, and others who were there. And, I don't know. It's, it's not something you forget, you know? I mean, I remember exactly where I was 20 years ago is not that long ago. It's really not once you think about it, because I remember being in my freshman algebra class and watching it live as it was happening, as people jumped from the buildings, as the towers fell, I mean, that's all we watched. That's all we did all day in school that day is watched the live coverage. Um, and as an impressionable 13 year old or a 14 year old, one of the two, I'd say definitely it's something that changes you. It's, it sticks with you and it's not that something that you should ever forget. Um, it certainly changed our perspective on the world, I think. Um, I also, for the very first time, watched a World Trade Center movie with Nicolas Cage. Um, I had refused to watch it for a long, long time because I was like, I know what happened. I watched it live. I don't need to see it in a cinematic portrayal by Nick Cage. Okay. That's not something I need in my life right now, but I watched it, uh, last night actually. And it was crazy cause they actually used uh, real footage from that day in the movie and the emotion being portrayed. I mean, you could tell that it was all still very raw at that point. Um, and it, that movie did exactly what I thought it was going to do. It messed me up a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, I remember seeing that on TV live when it was happening. Why am I doing this to myself? But I felt, you know, on this day, it's been 20 years. It's time to watch that movie. I think the next movie I watch is going to be United 93, but I, I will, they're probably going to need like a pint of ice cream to watch that movie and a box of tissues. Cause I know it's going to mess me up further, but it's been 20 years. I, I think it's time 
it, it might be time. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so we remember those that died that day. We remember and thank those who ran into the buildings to try and save others. And we mourn with the families that lost someone that day. Um, and hope that the events currently happening don't distract us from what's really important. That's what I have to say about that. Um, now we're gonna move on from that. Um, I wanted to talk about another sad thing really fast. It, the whole episode's not gonna be sad, I promise. Um, you may not find this sad, but I find this sad because I'm a big horse person. I grew up on a horse ranch, um, so this was really sad to me. Uh, big Jake, not John Wayne, but the horse, Big Jake, was once known as the world's tallest horse uh, standing at 20 hands or six feet, eight inches. And if you don't know, um, 20 hands, when they say hands, they're measuring from the hoof, the bottom of the hoof, where it meets the ground up to the top of the horse's shoulder. That's, and it's literally hands, like a man's hand, one on top of the other. Um, from the ground to the top of the horse's shoulder. So he's 20 hands, which is six feet, eight inches. Um, he died like a few days ago, I think, which is sad because he was such a beautiful horse. He was humongous. Um, Jerry Gilbert was the owner of the farm, uh, where Big Jake is from, Smoky Hollow Farm in Poinet, Wisconsin. Um, he called the horse a superstar and said he was a truly magnificent animal and extremely talented. Um, Big Jake was born in March of 2001 and weighed over a hundred pounds more than a normal Belgian foal at birth. At birth, this horse weighed 100 pounds more than a regular Belgian foal. Holy crap. Uh, his size and friendly demeanor attracted a crowd everywhere he went. He was the definition of a gentle giant. Um, he competed in draft horse competitions in his younger years, but sent, spent the last three years enjoying retirement. And the farm posted about his passing on Facebook, saying, it is with a heavy heart that we share the passing of Big Jake. Big Jake was much more than a world rec record holder. He was a central part of our family. We feel very privileged to have, to have had him in our lives. He truly loved people and impacted many over the course of his lifetime. We will miss you. And he, oh, it was not a few days ago. It was back in June. <laughs> I only saw it a few days ago, which 
kind of makes me mad now because I'm like, where was this back in June? I didn't know. But now I know. Uh, but he lived 20 years. That's that's quite the trek for a horse. It's not bad. Um, hundreds of fans sent their condolences and shared memories. Um, he, he was the biggest sweetheart, one person said. Um, his humans and fans aren't the only ones mourning his loss. The barn is silent as the other horses grieve. Um, which is very true. I mean, horses are right up there with dogs in the way they bond with each other and with people. They're big dogs, basically. Um, and... Uh, when a horse friend dies, the other horses, they, they grieve. They grieve just like a dog would, just like humans would. It's, uh, it's sad. It's sad. R.I.P. Big Jake. R.I.P. Okay, now <laughs> we're going to bring it back up. We're going to bring it up and talk about something uh, probably creepy. Um, I was sent this by a friend because she knows that um, things in the ocean really creep me out and I think fish are better left alone. Um, fish are friends, best seen from a distance or behind glass. <laughs> uh, so she sent me this uh, list of deep sea fishermen describing the eeriest sights they ever witnessed on the open ocean. So she's trying to play with my phobias a little bit here. Um, I'm really hoping, I haven't read it yet, um, but I'm really hoping it has nothing to do with creepy sea creatures because I'm not having it. I don't do creepy sea creatures. Uh, so let's see here. So it's, it's a list off of Ranker, I believe, is where she got it. Number one, something big enough to drag their boat. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. My dad and I were fishing off the Florida Keys. Let me tell you something about Florida. Nothing good happens in Florida. Okay nothing they have alligators and crocodiles and who knows what the hell else and just no no we had our anchor out and had been fishing for about an hour 15 minutes later the boat got bumped and we rocked a little bit my dad joked saying looks like jaws is after us better stay away from the edges don't joke about jaws guys don't that's never a good idea 10 seconds after that the boat began moving backward huh <sighs> We are being towed by our anchor. Sorry, I have pop-ups. We're being towed by our anchor line that was in the water. Whatever had it was now dragging the boat backwards slowly, getting faster, and our boat was getting pulled under too. Oh no. Next thing I heard was no fucking way as my dad dropped his pole and ran from the front to the back to grab a knife and cut the anchor line good idea. After that, we decided fishing was not in the cards that day. Okay, not only is it 
dragging the boat, but the anchor and pulling the boat under. Uh, see, anything big enough to be doing that is something that you don't want to be messing with. So good job cutting that anchor line. Very smart. Next is unearthly noises from the deep. Mm -mm. I had a friend who would go deep sea fishing and stay out at sea for days at a time. He told me that at times he would hear some of the most bizarre unearthly noises ever out there at night and assured me there must be things out there we have no idea of. Yeah, yes, that's what I'm saying. Considering we apparently know more about what's on the moon than we do about, than we know about what's in our own oceans, I'm inclined to agree with them. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I swear, every time I turn on the Discovery Channel, because my husband likes watching Shark Week, okay? He watches all the shows on Shark Week. And every time we watch the Shark Week, someone's discovering some new kind of fish. Someone's out there trying to find some mythical creature that's supposed to be out there swimming with the sharks. And I'm like, leave it alone. Just leave it. Nobody needs that, okay? Leave it undiscovered. It's fine. We don't need to know about it. Uh, number three, enormous shark bites taken from their catch. I do a lot of fishing off of South Carolina and Florida. Why is everybody in Florida? I get a lot of fish that are bitten in half by sharks. Some of them had to have been very, very large. When you reel in a large sport, sports fish's head, sport fish's head, like some kind of sequel to the old man in the sea and realize the shark is close to half the size of your boat miles and miles offshore essentially in the middle of nowhere you get more than a little freaked out yeah yeah listen <laughs> deep sea fishing is not the way to go okay sit on a dock sit on a beach go to a river the little ones get the little ones because the big ones attracted bigger things that want to eat you That's all i'm saying number four is an expired elephant expired elephant in the ocean i do quite a bit of saltwater fishing and anytime i'm on a chartered boat i always ask this question to the captain on a blackfin tuna trip out of Key West three years ago, again, Florida, I asked the question, and without thinking or blinking, really, the captain said, a deceased elephant in the middle of the ocean. Wait, what's the question? Oh, the question is, what was the creepiest thing you've ever seen? A deceased elephant in the middle of the ocean. I'll never forget that. Same captain also told me that while tied behind a shrimp boat not far offshore, his client pulled up a large grouper with a human knee joint and muscle and flesh in its side, its mouth. Yeesh. They went back to shore and contacted the appropriate authorities to let them know a shrimper had possibly dismembered someone and tossed them into the ocean. Weird stuff. Oh, so his boat captain found a dead elephant in the middle of the ocean. I want to hear, I kind of want to hear that story. 
Like, how did it get there? That's weird. Siren-like hallucinations. Whoa. I had a friend who was stranded in a rowboat for a couple of days. He got pretty dehydrated and later told us of these wild hallucinations of beautiful female water spirits encouraging him to join them in the water. It was strange because he was one of those no-nonsense guys who didn't believe in the supernatural, but he said these things were so real to him. Interesting. Interesting. It's weird how people who don't believe in the supernatural, as soon as they start hallucinating, whether it's because of dehydration, lack of sleep, drugs, whatever, um, the first thing they hallucinate about is supernatural things. You know? Like sirens or mermaids or fairies or something of that nature it's always that always interesting um a horse-headed beast uh my grandfather was mossing or gathering algae on the east coast of Canada, when he saw something with a horse-shaped head surface from the water, look at him and disappear back to the depths. Hmm. I was a kid when he told me the story, and I sort of forgot about it until I came across some information about a cryptid called the Cadborosaurus. From there, I discovered a news article covering the story of a fisherman spotting a very similar thing half an hour from where my grandfather claims to have seen it. I guess the caddy has been spotted as far north as Alaska and as far south as California. So it's a cryptid. We're going to have to cover cryptids soon because that kind of thing fascinates me. <laughs> like the chupacabra or Bigfoot. Or, you know, some people have claimed to uh, found videos of mermaids. And I'm like, why are the photos always grainy? But, you know, that's, that's another story. We'll, we'll probably cover cryptids. Um, their compass spinning in circles. While on a sailing cruise returning to Miami from the Bahamas, I was permitted to pilot the boat while the crew sat down for dinner. I was told to simply follow a certain heading on the compass. As we were going along, I noticed the position of the sun was rapidly changing as I chased the heading on the compass. I returned to what I thought was the correct heading and watched in, in amazement as the compass began to spin in circles. We had been scuba diving, so several of us had compasses and they were all exhibiting the same behavior. The heading on the GPS was unaffected. After maybe 10 to 20 seconds, the spin slowed to a stop back on the correct heading. The crew logged the coordinates of the anomaly. The best guess we had was that it crossed over an old shipwreck, perhaps something hauling a large amount of some magnetic metal over to the Bahamas. That seems pretty likely. Um, my first guess is going to be Bermuda Triangle and you about to die, but no, it was probably a shipwreck. That makes sense. Next is the demise of a dolphin. Oh, see, I like dolphins. Or I did like dolphins up until my husband said they raped people. I mean, why would you tell me that? <laughs> Dang it. Okay, so I was fishing in Florida's Gulf Coast 
for grouper that we were going to eat later that evening. Seafood's gross, don't eat it. So me and a few buds go out to this common wreck that sits on top of a pre-existing reef. No luck, but this isn't a problem. We will just go out further and go for mahi-mahi. So as we head out to this drop-off, dolphins start following us in our wake. Now this isn't uncommon whatsoever. I watch them blissfully while the rest of my friends are looking on the charts for where to start our drift. All of a sudden, the dolphins are gone. Never a good sign. This sort of eerie feeling comes over me and one single smaller dolphin is in our wake. Then a massive column of water erupts from behind us. I see a red cloud where the dolphin would have been. My instinct is to run to my friends and get a line in the water. They can see the slightly diluted cloud of blood where the dolphin was. We get a line in the water and after five minutes, it keels over and snaps. We get one with a wire lead in the water and nothing bites. Honestly, it was a mako or maybe some, or maybe a great white shark, but it was the strangest thing that has ever happened while I was fishing. Yikes. Dolphin got snapped right when you were watching. That's crazy. Makos freak me out, okay? I mean, we watch shows on great whites all the time because my husband loves them, but makos are nuts. Those things are bananas. Uh, this one is something following them for days. Ugh. Okay, if it's stalking you, get out of the water. Why are you in the water if something is following you for days at a time? Just just go home. Call it a day. Y'all are nuts. A couple that are friends with my parents sailed from France to Africa and then to South America. They also didn't have all the proper equipment you're supposed to have in order to do this legally and safely as possible. Uh-oh. They were a week or two away from the end of their trip when they confirmed they were not confirmed their feeling of not being alone. At night, they'd think they'd hear it, another ship, but no sight of anything. They'd hear water breaking from something, but never saw why. This continued and seemed to be getting closer. Then just a few days before the end of their trip, an American submarine suddenly surfaced near them. It stayed afloat for a while, then went back under. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, his theory was that since they didn't have proper satellite radio, they weren't aware uh they were being hailed to identify. The American Navy was probably like, what the fuck is this? And kept track of, kept track of them or even followed them for days slash weeks. At the end, the Americans are probably even more curious, surfaced, saw a bewildered, sunburnt French sailing couple, cursed, and went back to doing whatever they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my gosh. So you didn't have a radio, sub saw ya, and like WTF, and <laughs> that's funny. That's a funny one. Um, perfectly still waters. That is sometimes a bad sign, I think. We had days of high seas. The ship was being thrown back and forth, impossible to walk. And the boat was 152 feet, not a puny sunfish. I woke up one morning because the ship was suddenly still and I wasn't being thrown around my bunk. 
When I went on deck, the sea was like glass. So bizarre. We swam in it over a hundred miles from land in all directions. Totally insane. I feel like this probably isn't true, but I feel like when it's perfectly smooth like that and you're in the middle of the ocean, a storm's a coming. <laughs> I don't, that's probably not true. But I feel like suddenly calm seas is never a good sign. Um, a turtle the size of a car. What? Like, what kind of car, though? Because are we talking, like, the little smart cars? Like, the little golf cart size ones? Or, like, what? I need, I need a reference. And I love turtles. Turtles are my exception to ocean creatures. I love turtles. I'm a diver. We were doing a night dive on the Great Barrier Reef when we came up to a cave-like stru structure really just a rock formation that is known for turtles. We shined our flash flashlights inside and saw these huge fucking flippers. In there was a hundred year old turtle about the size of a small car in diameter. This isn't anything like the supernatural stories that you're probably after, but I found it very strange. Uh, edit. We knew the age because we were told beforehand that there was a, a large hundred year old turtle in the area we weren't expecting anything as big as what we saw, however. Wow. See, and I saw a video about, uh, I believe there were tortoises actually, um, that were 100, 150 years old. And they were like literally the size of a person. They had a grown ass man standing next to it. And it came up to like his shoulders or something. I'm like, what? What? How? How do these dinosaurs get that big? That's crazy. Um, number 12. A blinding flash of light. Hmm. I'm not a fisherman, but a sailor who was racing in a yacht race off the California coast many years ago. We had finished the race in Santa Barbara, and a few of us had volunteered to sail the boat back up to the San Francisco where we had started. We were off of Point Conception one night at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's the witching hour? No. Me and a buddy of mine were on the wa were on watch and talking to stay awake. He was steering and I was leaning against the doghouse looking after him. We were talking about something or other when all of a sudden it became daylight. Bright daylight. All I remember were the saucers of his eyes looking back at me to say, what the fuck? I imagine I looked the same to him because I was absolutely shocked. Then in about two seconds, the light faded to horizon faded to the horizon on our right, and we witnessed a rocket taking off from the Vandenberg Air Force Base. We watched it ascend into the night sky, and once we saw that it had jettisoned its first stage, we started to joke nervously about the odds of it landing on us. <laughs> oh, jeez. It didn't, and my buddy and I will always remember those three to four minutes as one of 
the most singular experiences we've ever had. We had fun telling the rest of the crew about it the next day. They were pissed that they missed it. Wow. Rocket. There you go. Um, a deer where it shouldn't be. A deer. Oh, this is a short one. A friend's cousin is a tuna fisherman. They found a deer swimming over a hundred miles off the coast of New Zealand a few years ago. How does a deer swim a hundred miles off the coast? I mean, maybe it was caught by a current or something, but that's a long way to go for deer. Um, part of a rocket drifting in the Gulf. Oh, it was the piece from the other guy. Yep. Off Bermuda, back in the 1980s or early 90s, we saw a huge piece of rocket fuselage or aeroplane floating vertically four to six feet out of the water. It was out in the Gulf Stream and was moving quite quickly. This was before internet, so we never knew what it was part of. Huh. Some kind of wreck. A glowing orb falling to Earth. Aliens. Aliens. I was fishing off the coast of Malaysia in the middle of the night. Why? Why in the middle of the night? I don't understand. <laughs> Suddenly the night sky brightened and I saw a bright glowing orb appear to the bow. The orb moved slowly across the sky, leaving a bright yellow trail. It seemed to have sparks coming off it for about 20 seconds before disappearing into the night. After getting back to shore, I learned that it was a retired Japanese satellite re-entering the atmosphere. Huh. Okay. Um, trees floating off the coast. Seems legit. Not a deep sea fisherman, but I was in the Navy. We were a few hours off the coast of Thailand. I was in the hangar bay of the carrier for morning muster, and there were trees floating in the ocean. It was like they had been cut down and thrown in, bobbing right side up with their bare branches sticking out of the water. It was really weird to me. Oh, so like they were upright floating in the water? Weird. How do trees do that? I've actually seen a tree floating upright in the water before. And I'm like, how? How? Because it's, I mean, it wasn't a small tree. And that's that. That was deep sea fishermen describing the area site they've seen on the open ocean. That, that's pretty good. That's some good ones in it. Um, we are going to keep with the ocean theme for a moment. And, uh, oh, maybe not. Yes, we are. Here we go. Uh, I actually went and found some more accounts from weird things on the ocean because apparently I hate myself. 
So let's keep this going. Um, around, let's see. I don't understand the language they're using on this. Around two, the year 2000-ish, on the Indian Ocean, on, on watch, maybe 2 a.m., pitch black except for stars, and quiet apart from the diesels. I notice a humming sound, sort of halfway between hearing it and feeling it. It goes on for a while, but all of a sudden it got a lot more intense, and suddenly I notice a glow way under the water. I thought it was a... I thought it was bioluminescence on a shark or a whale or something, but it kept floating up and suddenly just shot off maybe half a knot mile, taking the hum with it in about one or two seconds. Nothing can move that quick underwater. I reported it and it was logged, but nothing came of it. Heard stories from shipmates about the same thing happening, but the glow goes into the air. Don't know about that, but what I saw, I have no explanation for aliens. Yep. I was going to say like a sub, but subs wouldn't move that fast. Interesting. Um, the next one, the mighty sea. Doesn't really give away much. For me, the memory that sticks with me was when I first realized just how powerful the sea is. I was working on a boat in Japan on my way back into port after a four-week swing, just sat in my cabin one evening watching a film on my laptop, when every now and then I noticed a bright flash from behind me. I turned around just in time to glance out of my porthole as a bolt of lightning lit up the sea and capture a snapshot of an enormous wave just about to break over the side of the boat, which started getting tossed around like a toy. Certainly gave me the shivers. Uh, y'all. Getting, uh, getting caught in a storm in the middle of the ocean is probably one of my biggest fears. Because I've seen The Perfect Storm, the movie, and I don't like it. I don't. Um, three stories of monstrous catfish. Catfish, first of all, they look nasty. Second of all, they probably taste nasty, to be honest. I don't like seafood, if you haven't picked up on that yet. Um, I live by a dam on the Mississippi River in Iowa. The divers that go down and check the concrete always only go down once. After that, they're done. They just nope right out of there. But why? One guy I know did two tours in Iraq. He said it was nothing like that. What? Just freely be swimming along and all of a sudden three all of a sudden three foot mouth of catfish just sitting there waiting for something to swim by and into its hellhole. Water is always so murky that you can't see them from it, can't see from end to end of it. I remember when I was a kid you could snag for carp down there. My dad hit a seven foot cat that weighed in weighed in at around 85 pounds, but we couldn't keep them, so we had to throw them back. 
though that's a big fish. Grandfather said similar things. He worked at a power plant right along the river, and they had divers who would routinely need to go under and patch things up for the power plant underwater. Said majority of them when they went down once and never again uh, after seeing the size of some of the catfish below, which they claimed could probably eat them. <laughs> oh my gosh. One of my art teachers in high school was also a diver and often did dives in one of the lakes in Arkansas. He regaled us with tales of catfish the size of small cars. He also had photos of the towns and settlements that got abandoned and flooded when they made the lake. Cool stuff. Um, catfish should never be that big. That's all I'm saying. Um, my hometown also had a town that got abandoned and flooded when they made a lake. We'll tell that story sometime. It's a good one. Um, possessions following a tsunami. What do you mean by possessions? Like physical possessions? I was en route to northern Japan after the terrible tsunami hit happened for disaster relief uh, with the Marines. I stepped out uh, outside to a catwalk for a smoke not after not having seen the sun for a few days. Turns out that it was extremely foggy and snowing, which I had never thought about. The ship was basically reduced to a crawl, and it was all very silent and quiet and quite peaceful. After chain smoking for 10 to 15 minutes, I started, hear, started to hear things hitting the ship. Had trouble seeing at first, but once I saw the roof of a house and the crib float by. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I realized where we were. Ran back to my living area to grab some friends. We all get back out there and silently observe people's lives floating by, floating by us. Not super crazy or bizarre, but it's something I'll never forget. Spent the next week and a half dealing with crazy weather shifts, doing my part in the cleanup effort. Oh my gosh, that would be so eerie and like gut-wrenching to see that. That's, that's not good. This one's called A South Atlantic Fisherman's Tales. I do a lot of offshore fishing in the South, South Atlantic. Some cool and crazy things I've seen while boating. I got caught once in the annual migration of spinner sharks. Went right through a school that I would guess would be at least 10,000 or more sharks. Oh, nope, 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 nope. I just happened to be working in a very large bait school. You could count no less than 10 sharks breaching the surface about every second. It was one of the scariest experiences, yet one of the most amazing sights I've ever seen. And there I ended up right in the middle of the madness. I literally had one shark land on the bow of the boat and another break uh, the cowling on the outboard while several others bounced off the sides. Yikes. Yikes. Um, once I almost hit a dead body when returning from a trip at the end of the day. Uh, excuse me? Excuse me? It was just turning dusk and I was coming in from about 15 miles offshore after a day of fishing. I was cruising around 25 knots and out of the corner of my eye I spotted something bright yellow just off the port side of the boat and almost made impact with it. I slowed down 
and turned the boat around in an attempt to find whatever it was I almost hit, but it was unsuccessful and it was getting late and the sun was almost down, so I decided it would be best to just head back in. The next day, a body in yellow waders washed up on shore about 25 miles to the north. I can't say for sure if it was the same yellow object I almost hit, but I'd be willing to bet it was. Yeesh. In yellow waders, so it's probably another fisherman. Encountered a great white while surfacing from a dive in about 70 feet, 75 feet of water, which was extremely unusual because great whites shouldn't be anywhere around the area of the Atlantic where I fish. This was confirmed a few days later by multiple other boats that spotted the same shark and eventually made the news. And then lastly from this guy, one time I saw an otter dragging a leatherback, a leatherback sea turtle to shore that it somehow managed to kill. <laughs> what? Yikes, bro. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah, great whites are often, not, well, not often, but I swear every time we have shark week, someone is trying to figure out where sharks are swimming, why they're, what am I trying to say? Why the sharks are where they shouldn't be. Does that make sense? They're getting reports of great whites in areas where they don't migrate or they don't congregate. They shouldn't be there, and yet they are. Personally, I think fish just do whatever they want and uh, don't care what people think. So, Alien encounter. See? One of these is going to be aliens. My best friend and I left home one evening to go to a park and I see a small fluorescent green two-foot alien-like creature that walked like an old Sasquatch video from the 70s. Walk along a long wall on the other side of the road we were on in my peripheral vision and I immediately froze in disbelief. I looked back and it completely vanished. I immediately looked at my friend and we both said, did you see that? We both yelled yes and ran to the other side of the road and found nothing. This was a long and tall wall. No way it was an animal. The lights were dim and the neighborhood was a very quiet one with no shops or anything, so it couldn't have been anything commercial. The figure did not seem as though it was beamed onto the wall. There were no vehicles anywhere either. We spent the next five minutes searching and still found nothing. The weird thing is that this was a significant moment in my life. I mean, who comes across this ever? However, 15 years later, I asked my friend if he remembered that day, and he had absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Hmm. I don't drink or do drugs or anything. I mean, we both saw it. He confirmed at the time. It wasn't a dream either. I can't explain what it was we saw that day. Aliens. And then they erased your friend's memory. A peculiar mommy. Um... Okay. I worked on a cruise ship for seven months as a youth staff taking care of kids while the, while the parents party it up. At certain parts of the day, we close the playroom to the older kids and just let parents with their children that are under two come in. Sorry, my phone's going nuts. 
this woman comes to the gate with a double stroller with two of the ugliest looking babies I've ever seen in my life. Huh? She asks if she can come in with her babies. Of course I oblige, but something seems a little off. She takes the babies out of the stroller and puts them on the blanket that we have toys placed upon in the middle of the room. It's then that I realized what was so strange about these babies. They were dolls. What? This woman was taking pictures of them with the toys and pretending they were alive, names and all. Oh my gosh. I just looked over at my coworker and she's giving me the same look of shock and horror that I had on my face. We had no clue what to do or say. News spread quickly to the other crew member on crew members on the ship about her. Apparently she bought gold bracelets for them at the jewelry shop on board. That woman is by far the most amazing and strangest thing I've ever witnessed at sea. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm thinking it could have been one of two things. She's either, um, uh, sometimes a woman will lose a baby and a therapist or a doctor or someone will actually give them a doll to help them grieve or get over the depression that follows. Um, it's like, a, it's like a sort of therapy. So it's either that, except this lady had two and was actually buying them stuff and like, not just holding it, but like pretending they were alive. So maybe, maybe just throwing this out there. Maybe she was nuts. Like cuckoo nutso. Um, green lights in the sky. Aliens. I was a Navy sailor who went out to sea many times for weeks at a time. One of my jobs was being a lookout to spot boats, planes, things in the water or air pretty much and report it back to the ship. My lookout rotation could have me standing watch during the day or night, sometimes both, and it was during the nights where I was pretty afraid, especially if you were at the back of the ship alone. For anyone who hasn't been out in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night should realize you see many more lights in the sky than you ever would in a city. And on Navy ships, they have they like to have very little lights on at night, so standing watch around 1 a.m. feels very alien sometimes. And during the nights, without a bright moon to help you with your vision, you may as well be on a different planet. There was this one time I saw a bright green color moving in the water slowly, and I didn't know what it was. My mind told me maybe it's a USO or something or something else. Eventually, I was told it was just plankton, but it sure looked freaky to someone who wasn't aware of the glowing, of the glowing plankton produces. Another time, me and another guy were standing watch together, and I decided just to look up during 2 a.m. and see what things I would come across in the midnight sky. I would see meteors streak across the sky, but a couple times there were bright lights moving slowly way out there. Perhaps a satellite, maybe who knows. But I stared for a good 20 minutes in the sky and encountered approximately 15 of those slow-moving lights in different areas of the sky, perhaps maybe millions of miles apart. Either way, those were the few times I saw for myself how vast space really is, and that there was so much no there was so much unknowns out there that humans have yet to discover or explain. Agreed. We don't know anything. 
at all. The next one is called Giant Frog. I don't know what my feelings are about frogs. I think they're interesting. And I remember catching them as a kid because there were a lot around my grandpa's house because uh, he lived next to a river. But they kind of grossed me out a little bit. Um, I'm undecided. Um, my mother told me that her father claimed he had spent a night in the swamp with a friend hunting for frogs and ended up seeing something that looked like a giant frog. When they shine their light on it, it stood up and star uh, started walking towards them on both its legs. Like it's, like it's hind legs. They ran for their car and sped off. It was stranger still because it was the only weird story Grandpa ever told. He was also a Tito Taller? Tito Taylor? I don't know what that means. So unless he had some sort of hallucination, I have no idea what he thought he saw. The only other possibility is he decided he would bullshit everyone just because. Okay. Okay. Um, creepy. Creepy AF. There is no freaking way. Uh... Fata, Feta, Morgana. Hmm. I'm a Reddit illiterate and can't share the link that I want to, but it's a mirage where you see a ship upside down. It's creepy AF. You'll see the ship sailing along, but then and then you see it upside down floating above the ocean. Interesting. Um, that sounds like, uh, oh my gosh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where, um, Davy Jones's ship is upside down, or like when they're trying to go rescue Johnny Depp and the ship is upside down, something like that. I apologize for my phone. My husband is texting me. Um, bad reputations. I remember reading an article in Harper's Magazine a while back, like 15 years ago, and the author said he had worked on a fishing boat near Chesapeake Bay, if I recall correctly. He said that fishermen pull up all kinds of weird creatures in their nets, but no one ever talks about it because of the bad reputation they will get. Creatures then just get thrown back in the ocean. Bad reputation for capturing something weird. Okay. Um, I was fishing in 17-foot Mohawk canoe off the main bridge in, oh, I'm sorry, Titusville, Florida, um, about the year 2000. My kids were small. It's teeming with fish in that area, and I headed for a trough that NASA cut out to build the fuel railroad system out to the launch area. It holds back, it holds black drum as well as other tasties. I have a trolling motor on the side of the canoe, and I head for my spot down the south shore. Over to my left, just as I arrive at the south end of the trough, I see a pod of manatee in the water about 75 yards away. I, okay, I love manatee. I do. I 
think they're adorable. <laughs> um, I have a little camera stowed away and I decided to get some close-up pics, close pics for the kids. I turn west into the middle of the lagoon area and head over the shallow, shallow water and grass beds with my trolling motor turned to five top speed. I notice it appears very shallow immediately ahead of me and I cut my motor quickly to zero. That's the last thing I remember before the loudest noise that came from all around me. Water exploded around and under my 75 pound canoe with 150 pound me in the back. The front of my canoe went up at over a 45 degree angle and the rear of my canoe me with me in it came off the surface of the water some amount such that my battery came off the floor. In front of my canoe, all my tackle and such was launched into the air. I remember seeing a single large pinfish, not mine, but one belonging in the water, arcing over the whole mess as I gripped the gunnels. It's not obvious what happened to me for a minute. I was so afraid and so vulnerable and unsure if it would happen again. I reattached things back at my trolling motor. Wires had come loose, I think, and went to the shoreline where the railroad passed and got out and tried to piece my equipment back together and my experience. The pod of roughly 21 manatees um, had come into the lagoon area recently. And as it turns out, they have a similar danger single signal to beavers. They slap the surface of the water. When that many do it, and it's in two feet of water, and they are really frightened by my entry into the area, it can almost violate the laws of bowel physics. Trust me, I know. Wow. So about 21 manatees slapped the surface of the water and it launched the boat into the water. Dang. Uh, the non-sound of wind. The most amazing, um, let's see. When you're on shore, wind rustles through the trees, moves, wind chimes, makes bird chirps, etc. Way offshore, none of those sounds exist. Oh, that's true. It's very eerie to feel the wind, but have it make no noise. Just a force that moves across your skin and then gently leaves without a sound. That... You know, I've never thought about that before. You don't think about that. You, like the wind's blowing and there's, you know, trees or leaves on the ground or grass or, like you said, it makes birds chirp. I mean, you hear all that on land, but there's none of that on the water. That's cool. I never thought about that before. Uh, stories from Mum's partner. Mum's partner is fisherman. A couple of things that come to mind. The incredible amount of great white shark encounters they have out at sea. Obviously attracted by the bait or something. Yes, true. Fact. Stories of being circled and harassed by sharks for sometimes up to days. Get out of the water. <laughs> In at least one or two occasions resulting in them having to go back in. Yes, good idea. Freak waves, 
Sadly, the amounts of fishermen killed by freak waves is too high. Imagine Mother Nature just unleashing a huge wave out of nowhere that obliterates a fishing boat, killing those on board. He's participated in many searches for bodies and those of lost fishermen at sea, including hauling numerous bodies on board and liaising with police in searches. That's sad. And also, a fact of the ocean is the freak waves. Many a movie has been made on those experiences. My favorite, though, was something he actually saw on land while out, while out at sea. On an incredibly remote and rugged part of Tasmania's west coast, the crew noticed what appeared to be a dog on the beach. As they got closer, they noticed it was sniffing around some seaweed and walking a bit differently to a dog. Uh-oh. As they continued to get closer, they also noticed something else. It had what appeared to be the outline of stripes along its back half. Oh, oh, it was a tiger. It's a Tasmanian tiger. They're in Tasmania, right? Tasmania's west coast. Yes, still to this day, they believe they saw an extinct Tasmanian tiger. Regular sightings are still reported in Tasmania, and many local fishermen have also reported seeing them in that particular area. They're not extinct. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Tasmanian tiger. Them are weird looking things, I will say. I don't think they're extinct, to be honest. There have been way too many sightings. <laughs> I think they're just elusive and don't want to be bothered and stay the heck away from me, and I don't blame them. Um, a massive surprise. I almost hit a sea turtle the size of a mattress off the coast of Washington. It suddenly appeared and I threw the engine in reverse and swerved hard to port, throwing passengers off their seats. I looked out the starboard window as I went by and see two eyes staring at me on a head the size of a basketball. It's a big turtle. I love turtles. A plane crashes out of nowhere. Oh no. Not, amaz not amazing in a good way, but on the flight deck during flight ops, business as usual, launching planes and dodging jet blast. All of a sudden, the air boss calls out to get ready for emergency landing. In like 3.5 seconds, the landing area was completely clear before I could even realize what was said. Well, the jet didn't make it to landing. I watched a $60 million F-18 just go into the ocean. The pilots ejected and needed to get pulled out of the water, of course. Good. They lived. Awesome. It all happened so fast, I would almost swear that the helicopter pilots literally appeared out of thin air, spun that bitch up, and were hovering over the water with the rescue swimmer, roping out in an instant. It all happened in what seemed like less than five minutes. I was in total shock and sick to my stomach because nobody immediately knew whether or not the pilots were okay. They were. Both had quite a few broken bones. I imagine. The same jet I watched take off minutes before it was deep-sixed. Wow. Fighter. Those guys that fly the fighter jets. Balls the size of basketballs. That's all I got to say. Uh, this one's called Nature's Grotesque Buffet. Yikes. <laughs> I've seen a dolphin do the most elegant backflip you've ever seen. We caught a blue 
albatross as it went to dive for our gear. We've pulled the bird. When we pulled the bird to release it, it was so unbelievably calm. We held its wings open to take a picture. Massive birds, those ones. Yes, they are. At the back while working gear, all of a sudden we see this black blade-like looking thing climb its way out of the water. Once it reaches the height of roughly six feet, it comes slamming down into the water. It does this maybe five or six times. Hard to explain how bizarre this bizarre it is seeing something like this until you've spent days, weeks, months staring off at water and seeing nothing. It was the tail of a thresher shark that was coming out of the water and trying to concuss the squid-like look, squid looking gear. But honestly, one of the most amazing things is the bait ball. It's caused by weather phenomena, actually. When what happens is that herring and other feed fish predominantly survive in green plankton-filled water. Their predators hate it for the most part because the plankton clogs gills and so on. But what can happen is if blue and green water mix, and due to temperature differences and large amounts of clear blue boils up from below, it can expose massive schools of feed fish. Well, once this happens, the entire ocean kicks into gear. Tuna come over, dolphins come, sharks, seagulls, and other birds. Everybody's getting into it. Below, they create this tightening circle of doom where they travel around the ball, keeping the feed fish from escaping. Fins of all kinds breach the surface. And just when we think we've seen everything, a massive humpback whale crashes the party. It went directly through the center, destroying the ball, scattering the feed and all the predators. Wow. So some kind of perfect storm, as it were, causes the feed fish to leave the algae, and it's a feeding frenzy. That'd be crazy. I was off the coast of somewhere for about 25 days on a cruiser. It was somewhere Pacific, but they wouldn't tell us. I guess it was China. Not important. Okay. We were pretty delirious after being out for a long time without port. It was about 2.30 a.m. And we were cleaning stuff board. All of a sudden, the ship starts jerking and making all sorts of noise. An alarm... I have never heard comes on and people on the intercom say something to the effect of stay inside the ship. Naturally, we didn't listen <laughs> and went out back with our searchlights to see what happened. We opened the door and the smell was like walking into rotten tuna factory, a factory that makes rotten tuna. You could literally taste the whale carcass. Apparently, the ship's radar was in-op or something and missed the giant whale we ran into. There were whale bits all behind us, and the next morning, it was bird heaven. You had a whale? Yikes. Um, I was canoeing on the coast of Florida, and my wife said, let's paddle up to that log. We did. It's not a log. It's not going to be a log. Right before we reach it, the log snorted heavily and swam away. Scared the crap out of me. My wife laughed because she knew it was a manatee and what would happen. She grew up in Florida. Okay, I was thinking it was like a crocodile or 
alligator. Manatee's not bad. <laughs> okay. Um, my friend went undesignated, no official job, for the Navy, and had to clean and sweep an entire deck. They didn't give him a dustpan, and when he asked where the dirt should go, they said to just make do. He picked it up and ate it. What? Wait, what? Just make do so you eat the dirt? What? That's not right. That's not right. That's gotta be made. That's no. No. That's like an episode of, like, my deadly habits or something. What? That's gross. Uh, moving on. When I was younger and on a family holiday in Gran Canaria, uh, we went on a boat trip around the island. Seemed like a good way to waste a day in the sun. We were on a medium-sized catamaran, and between the two holes there was a kind of netting that people were sitting on. It was a pretty chill time, and 12-year-old me loved sitting on it and looking out at the sea. Then we hear the crew yell something. They spotted dolphins. Cool. So we get up, can see them jumping a bit off the distance in parallel to how we were traveling. Then we notice they're getting closer and closer. I go back to the netting thinking I'll be able to see one as it passes beneath the boat. I look down at just the wrong moment and this complete derp of a dolphin as this complete derp of a dolphin decided it'd be the perfect time to jump when he went underneath the boat and he headbutts me. Oh my gosh. He lands back in the water and the school moves on, but my day is ruined by a bloody nose and a black eye from getting a Glasgow kiss by fucking Flipper. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I headbutted by Flipper. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh my gosh. Um, a creepy voice leads to a daring rescue. Oh boy. Freshwater boater here. Sorry for the squeaky toy. That's my puppy. Um, I typically hunt and fish the Arkansas River where I'm at. It's a huge body of water. One day while fishing in some lazy black, lazy backwater off the Arkansas, we, my girlfriend and I, heard a faint, very, very faint, raised voice. We stopped and listened intently. The wind and noises of the water lapping against the side of the boat made it impossible to make out what they were saying, but it sounded serious. So we stowed the fishing gear and made towards the sound. When we came out of the backwater area towards the main channel, we could see a capsized boat with two people clinging to it desperately, screaming for help. A pretty dangerous situation. They appeared to have no life vests on, and the river was carrying them away. We made our way over and helped the couple into our boat and made for shore so I could go back and retrieve the boat. Another boater saw what was happening and made his way to the capsized boat. The couple were older and clearly exhausted from their ordeal. From talking with them, they told me they had hit a sandbar going top speed. It was only a 25 horsepower motor in a 16-foot boat. 
And when the boat suddenly stopped, water swamped over the stern and turned the boat over. After dropping the couple off on the bank with my girlfriend to rest, I helped the other boat tow the boat into the bank. When we got it there, we managed to get enough of the boat on the bank so we could turn it over and begin dewatering it. Once it was seaworthy again, I towed it back to the boat ramp for them, and they were able to get it back on the on a trailer, and they and they left after thanking us profusely. See, normally, normally, I would say uh, if you are out anywhere, anywhere, and you hear faint voices calling to you, run the other way. Don't go towards the sounds. But that one turned out good. That one turned out okay. You saved a life. That's that's good. Uh, so that's that list. And <clears throat> I think that's all we're doing for today because it's been an hour. <laughs> um, sorry, that's my husband texting me again. So that is it for today. That is our creepy slash cool sea stories. Um, I'm going to try and get a bunch of episodes pre-recorded because I might have the time this next week because my husband's out of town. So we'll see. Um, he takes up a lot of my time. If you haven't caught on to that just yet. Um, so I'm hoping to do two episodes a week. We'll see how it goes. Um, please stick with me and please, uh, follow me on Instagram at dispensing randomness and we'll see you next time. But just remember volleyball is just a professional game of hot potato. The more you know. Bye.